Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 516 of the JV Club with my fantastic guest, Jennifer Hutchison. I have to say, um, this is so dumb, but there's something bittersweet about the fact that this is episode 516 and it's coming out on May 18th, aka 518. We were so close to perfect nerdy synchronicity, but alas, twas not to be. Anyway, I had the enormous pleasure of doing the Joko Cruise with Jennifer, and I'm such a fan of hers, and was very, very, very excited to have her on the podcast. She uh, basically wrote on just all all the best shows. Um, I'll just drop, I'll just name drop a few: uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Now she is uh, working on uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, and she's rad. So I hope you enjoy this uh, episode. I'm sure you will. And um, if you are listening to this and are in the Atlanta area, I'm going to be at MomoCon the last weekend of May, which I guess is, what is that, Memorial Day weekend? Um, and uh, and so it'll be very fun to see, hopefully, some of you there. And uh, I'll be updating with uh, other schedule stuff in the coming uh, weeks. So I'm going to stop stammering and stuttering and let you listen to the wonderful Jennifer. So you you and I met on the Joko cruise. Yeah. And it's just a very specific experience that you are completely immersed in. And so and and I remember when I uh, like last year I did it and uh and then I went to Europe afterwards and it was the first trip that I took and it was only it was only maybe a month after Joko but it sort of washed a little bit of the Joko off and I mean that in almost a sad way. Um, do you know what I mean? Like it's sort yeah. of, it's, it was like, oh, okay, I'm having this totally other immersive experience. And I think I kind of needed that because in past years I've done it and then kind of just gone back to everything being the same for months afterwards. And I've, I've missed the, like, you know, the sort of weird com- instant camaraderie that happens on that cruise and stuff. So my question yeah. is, did you experience a feeling of that after the cruise and was your trip abroad something that kind of like some some cells replaced those joko (laughs) cells when you when you were there and came back uh yes the the cruise and it was my first time going so i had really no idea what to expect i talked to a few people who'd gone in the past and they gave me like bullet points um but it really is it's like like to be there for that bullet point meeting (laughs) uh it's a thing that has to be you know experienced um it does it feels very because not only is it so specific what it is like it is you know it's like oh it's a nerd cruise it's that's like the most general it's so deeply like very specific uh but you're also on this boat (laughs) and you know you do go to port sometimes but it's just that alone kind of just you feel so it's like that when you're doing when I did theater in college like you're so just immersed or like camp or you know things like that so yeah there was definitely a little bit of like a mental hangover when I got home where I'd be like dreaming I was there or like be like oh I wish I was I don't know I would just envision the hallways of the boat uh-huh. and the people there <laughs> yeah. um so I hadn't thought about that but yeah I guess this last trip did kind of do that because now I'm envisioning that different place than my home you know because now yeah. it's like that plane ride and 
wandering around the street that I was staying at and what my hotel looked like. So that's a, I had not thought about that, but I think that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and you were in London? I was, I was. Exclusively London? Yeah, oh, yeah. So great. Yeah, I, I love London and I was staying in Chiswick, which is really uh, neighborhoody um, and very nice and lots of shops and restaurants and, you know, there's like four bookstores and, you know, five gelato places. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> Chiswick is, where is it? Is it like on the north? My, I think I'm making up. It's on the west. Yeah, it's like north of um, Richmond, which is the Ted Lasso area uh-huh. of, of London. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to put it in perspective. I'm trying to think of every other. And so in terms of Notting Hill and <laughs> like every oh, other. Yeah, so in, yeah, so <laughs> no, just I, I think it's funny to compare it to media. What other places do I know that took place uh, that, that TV shows and movies take place in London so we can make a map of? I'm sure that exists, right? There's got to be yeah. like an Etsy map that someone made of like all of the neighborhoods where things you know were shot that have like a certain character to them. Yes, the bridge that Bridget Jones walks across every day to work. (laughs) Absolutely. How wonderful. What were you doing there, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I was just there for um, work and kind of, but not work, work, just sort of visiting work friends uh, who live out there. Yeah, that's great. Is that something you do on a regular basis? Having did you like spend time there working and then? No, no. uh, It's people I worked with here who are working on a project there. Nice. um, And so I got to go and kind of hang out with them, see everything. And it was really fun. Outstanding. Do you have uh, having been there before? Yes, I'd been there. uh, Yeah, like 10 years ago on my honeymoon. Did you have stuff that you were like, I definitely got to go back to yada yada and, you know, like get that feeling on me and sort of rich, you know, I feel like there are certain places that things become kind of ritualized, which I like. I like the sort yeah. of like, well, of course, I'll be going to, you know, Liberty of London just to <laughs> admire fabrics. Yes, I I kind of inadvertently had that where I was terrible that I didn't plan anything because I was like, oh, I'm going to be seeing people and going, uh, you know, to to production and all that. So I was like, I didn't plan anything. And then the weekend was coming because I'd booked it over a weekend. And I was like, what do I do? And I was trying to think back of like things we had done. And then my uh, coworker friend like texted me. It was like, hey, do you want to go see this show at the Globe Theater tonight? And I was like, yep, there we go. And when we were there, I remember my husband and I had done like the little tour of the Globe, uh-huh. which is you should absolutely do because it's one of those things where like all the tour guides are volunteers. So they're super into it and like really funny. So I definitely had that moment where I was like, Oh, okay. I remember this. And like the lady who was, who was giving us the tour and stuff though, kind of inadvertently had those like, Oh, sweet memories. (laughs) Yeah. That's one of the things I love so much about going back to places too. um, Almost especially when there's been a good deal of time that's passed between is the sort of dreamlike putting together your own patchwork of like coming to understand a place better and being like, oh, this place is right next to this other area that we went, but I came at it a different way on a different street in a different year. And I'm sort of cobbling together my own Etsy map of, you know, whatever experiences I've had. I love that feeling so much where you sort of add, you know, a little bit as you go along each time. Uh, I I, I love that experience. What was the first, if you can remember, one of the first kind of big trip experiences you've had in your life? Like how young were you? Were you a kid whose parents uh, traveled you a lot or was it, you know, you were an exchange student or you were in your 20s? Where And what was it? 
Well, uh, so my dad, well, both my parents, but uh, after I was born, my mom got out, but uh, my dad was in the Air Force. So I moved a lot as a kid, generally. Um, So I was kind of always up and around. And we did not really do vacations because anytime we went anywhere, it was to see family. So it would be like visit my grandparents or they would come out. Um, So probably the actual first like real trip I remember is uh, we were living in Georgia at the time and we went to Disney World in Florida and like we got like a three day pass and, you know, we did both parks and it was a big deal because my parents kept telling me what a big deal it was and how expensive it was, <laughs> you know, like those kind of like, like, and as an adult looking back, I'm like, oh gosh, this was like quite an output for them. And they sure. were just trying very hard to make sure it went well. And it poured raining while we were there, like the first oh. couple of days. And so I think I can also think back and I'm like, I'm sure they were like, oh no, right. it's supposed to be perfect right. and it's not. Um, Which, by the way, I don't know what constitutes perfect, but it's so hot there so often. I personally would sort of rather have like the steamy rain than than like unending sun, but also still super humid. At least when it's raining, you're like, there's a reason it's humid. Yeah. And there are fewer people in the park because they don't want to get wet. But yeah, no. So my biggest memories of that place are kind of like wandering around kind of international plaza at Epcot Center, you know, I've never like, been now you're in England. Now you're in. Oh, it's I don't. But I've I mean, heard all about ages it ages yeah. ago. But it's very funny because it's like you just go from like different countries and they have people in the most kind of stereotypical garb <laughs> that you could possibly get for each country with like the single food that represents it. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those are my big memories. <laughs> and what about um, outside of the United States? Did you do any travel like that when you were younger? No, um, the first time I went out of the US was when I was I was an adult. And I went to Germany with my husband because we have friends who live out there. And we went to uh, Hanover and Berlin over New Year's Eve. Um, And that was really my first time like out of the country. Yeah. Um, And it was awesome. It was like, I mean, New Year's Eve in Berlin is pretty chaotic. It's like really like wild how how much they do. Um, but yeah, that was my first big trip. And and I was like, I can't believe that it's taken me this long to go anywhere. Um, but I was not, I didn't necessarily have money. And in college, I wasn't sure. able to like do the exchange program because I had to graduate in four years because my scholarships were only for four years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was like, it just kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. So sure. that was finally when I was able to go. No, for sure. I mean, I definitely I I had a lot of those experiences late. And I would say that, you know, I did do like a, a summer semester exchange program. Um, Not I mean, no one I didn't exchange with anyone. But uh, <laughs> and I went to France when I was 16. And that was so far removed from any other type of travel I did before or after until I was in my early to mid 20s, that it didn't jibe with like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, and then I went to France and then it, it was like Tucson, Arizona, some road trips around there, a couple of flights to like visit relatives. And then all of a sudden I was in France and it was it was wild. I mean, it was a wildly different experience and, you know, kind of shell shocking f- to be young. So whenever someone says, you know, that again, they went from like a small, you know, I mean, Tucson is not super small, but it's certainly not in any way cosmopolitan or anything like that is just such a shell shock but i'm wondering for you if you're just by virtue of moving around as part of your lifestyle as a kid 
did you feel more acclimated towards new experiences and travel in general in a way that, you know, folks who maybe were planted in the same spot until they went somewhere big or whatever? I mean, you can only, you know, your experience, you don't know anyone else's experience, but did you, (laughs) do you feel like maybe that, you know, kind of helped get you ready for stuff? I think so, because I think what it does, I mean, going to Germany was really, it was a bit of that shell shock just because um, it's a non-English speaking country. I mean, everybody speaks English, but you know, so it was like, I didn't know the language and the signs. And that was the big difference is like that extra layer of having to navigate. And like, I remember being in a store and this woman just starts talking to me, asking me a question in German, assuming that I speak German and I froze because I had no idea like what to do. Like uh-huh. I didn't know what to say. So I think she thought something was really wrong. <laughs> um, and then finally, she finally was like, I'm, I'm sorry. And I was, and she was like, oh, okay. Um, but I think what moving around a lot as a kid did is um, I think I'm pretty, I don't have this sort of mentality of like, these people are different than, these people are different than me. Like everybody's very, everybody's kind of their people are generally the same overall. There's obviously cultural differences and all that, but the sort of core of being a person is the same. So I don't really have that thing of feeling like outside. I mean, I have the thing of like, I don't speak the language or um, the culture is slightly different, but I don't have the thing of like, Oh, well, you know, I have to be with my, my crew and they're very different and they don't understand basic emotions or, you know, something like that. Cause I think, sometimes when you grow up slightly more isolated is because your bubble is smaller. It's hard to sort of imagine uh, what people outside that bubble might experience. And when you're in the military, kind of a very egalitarian uh, group, it's people from all walks of life and, and, you know, all different cultures who come together into the military. Um, So you're just exposed to lots of different people throughout. And there's sort of an overarching military culture, Mm -hmm. which is itself kind of, alien, I think, to other people. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so maybe it's I always feel like an outsider. So I never really feel like that distance. But um, but I think that's it. I'm not like, nervous about being around like, oh, they must be very different. It's mostly just like, oh, I don't have a language or like, I'm, uh, you know, the the weight service in England is different than you right, know, in right. the US. And I have to get used to that. But like, right. that's about it. Where were you a teenager? Were you were you moving when you were like high school era? No, I, I was in Alabama. I was in central Alabama, um, this little town called Prattville. Uh, and I moved there before eighth grade and we were going to move. My dad got out of the military when I was in high school and we were going to move to New Hampshire. Um, so that would have been between 10th and 11th grade, but we didn't, um, cause my dad got a job locally. And so I was there, uh, from eighth through 12th grade and graduated there. Um, so I had consistency through high school. It was mostly elementary school. I was moving every couple of years, basically. What was Prattsville like? <laughs> uh, yes, Prattville. It was... Um, I'm sorry, Prattville. No, I, I added that, it's that errant joke. S. <laughs> it's a joke because obviously it, it's an insulting term uh, in England. So it's just such a funny... I don't know. Which, and I also, I was like, where did Pratt fall come from? That was my next, like, as soon as you said Pratt, Prattville, I yeah. was like, oh, I wonder, I yeah, wonder where I think Pratt fall comes that, from. Yeah. Probably unrelated. Probably very unrelated. Um, yeah, so Prattville, named after Daniel Pratt. I don't know. Something, uh-huh. He had something to do with the invention of the cotton gin. Oh, um, uh, sure. Yes, it was challenging in some ways. And I still have a lot of friends there. Um, 
I, you know, my dad had just gotten out of the military or uh, I was just the first time I was at school off a military base. So it was kind of acclimating to mm. that and with people who had lived there all their life, as opposed to when you're in sure. a school on a military base, everyone's always the new kid. So, yeah. you know, everything. Um, and, you know, obviously Alabama is more purple politically than people realize, but it is, it was a very conservative area, very religious area. And I was in conflict with that quite a bit. Um, and so, you know, there was that challenge of like <laughs> normal high school survival while also kind of like you're finding your, you know, political identity, your ethical identity, your personal identity, all that in sort of a, a place that was very counter to kind of what I was feeling inside. Um, so that was really hard. But then I, I found like my core group of friends mm. um, and, you know, the stuff that I was interested in. But I went away after high school. I went I went to college in San Francisco. I was like, and I'm I'm out. So. And I'm done. And I'm going <laughs> yeah. to arguably the least Alabama city in the United <laughs> <Exactly>. States. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> was it what was the diversity like in Prattville? Um, yeah, so not not a ton of diversity. I mean, obviously, there's uh, a large black population in the South. Uh, and predominantly white school with like, a couple of Asian students. Mm -hmm. um, and it felt very segregated, mm. not by policy, but just socially. Sure. So there were very, there was very little kind of social interaction between, you know, the white kids and the black kids, except for the few who kind of were in more, more white dominated classes. Mm. Um, you know, there'd be some crossover and in class, I mean, I had friends in both groups, but like when you went to the lunchroom, you're very rare, you know, it was very, mm -hmm. with like some tables that were a little bit more of a mix. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, a, it was an interesting dynamic um, to witness. <laughs> sure, so. sure. What did you get yourself into when you were there? Like what, when you say you found your group, did you find a group that was kind of connected to, you know, theater or art or something like that? Or was it kind of a, like, how did you how did you find your people? Um, so I took art all four years. So I did, you know, found some like the artsy kids. We did not have a theater program and I tried unsuccessfully to get one going. Oh, uh, yeah, that's cool, well, though, that you even tried. I feel like I was the kid that was like, yeah, we have what we have. I, we don't have what we don't have. I was very swiftly discouraged and like did not follow <laughs> through um, because the only teacher willing to sponsor it wanted it to be a debate and theater club uh, with yeah. a heavy emphasis on debate, uh -huh. which I had zero interest in. Um, so I had that. I got my final, my last year I did journalism and ended up kind of being co-editor. Uh, but mostly what I did was watch a lot of movies. My best friend and I would, you know, go to the single independent theater um, in Montgomery, which was uh, Prattville is a suburb of Montgomery okay. Okay. Uh, every weekend, or we would rent videos when back when you rented videos. Um, and we just watched movies constantly. And that was kind of where I ended up finding my place and like mm -hmm. the thing that kind of kept me going. And I had a few friends that we pulled in and, you know, who would go to movies with us occasionally and come over and we would have you know, various screening parties and whatnot. So when you went to college in San Francisco, did you, where did have we discussed this? Where did you go? Do I know this? I don't think I do. Uh, no, you don't. Uh, University of San Francisco, which is okay. like a small Jesuit college yeah. um, in the middle of the city. Yeah. Right near the park. 
Yes. It's yes. a great, yeah, that's a beautiful little campus. It is. And it's but small. Yeah, really small. Yeah. Yeah. Like all like you're like you're in it and then you're like, oh, I'm not I haven't been on the campus for a full block. And I assumed it must still be the campus because it's a college. But nope, I've already walked. Nope. I've already walked through it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I liked. I was looking for manageable. I was in love with I was obsessed with San Francisco and Girl, I wanted to go to school there. But I needed same, like same. manageable size. Right. Yeah. It's like, how can you not be? Yeah. Yeah. I went to SF State and I was going oh, okay. to SF State to be in San Francisco at a college I could afford was just as simple yep. as that. It was like, well, I might as well, keep, you know, continue going to school after living there for a year for residency and, and that expense, you know, shifting a little bit. But it was a hundred percent. I'm always, I always feel, speaking of like, you know, Wampeters and Grandfloons or whatever. I mean, it's it's not that Vonnegut-y because like <laughs> his, that whole concept is like, you are where you are and you didn't do anything to choose it, but yet you feel yeah. a connection with someone. So it's not fair to say that because I do feel a connection with people who are like, I don't know, I didn't really, like, I just needed to be in San Francisco. And I, I knew, I knew, yeah. and then whatever else would sort of, you know, fan out from there, but it had to be in that place. Um, You're probably one of the first people who that's how they, they made that choice. Um, because most people, their sort of college is like, well, we wanted to, I wanted this and this program. And I'm like, I literally looked at the book of colleges and the San Francisco listings. And I was like, okay, this one has on-campus dorms. Um, it has a theater department. It doesn't have a theater major, but it has a theater department um, with a very uh, well-established student-run theater uh, program, you know, extracurricular theater. And uh, there is a scholarship fund that the school puts through that does a big is like three quarters tuition cut out oh, nice. uh, and all you had to do was like get a certain score on like your ACT or your SAT and I was like done this is it this yeah. is my school <laughs> love it <laughs> it'll be great okay. but... <laughs> sure sure no no I've only heard great things about about people who go to USF okay we're gonna take a break I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun Trans representation in media is at an all-time high, with trans entertainers gracing the screens large and small. But trans voices, especially black trans voices, are rarely centered in our own stories. That's why we bring you a new limited series called We See Each Other, the podcast, co-hosted by me, journalist, and better half of the Max Fun podcast, Fanta, Travel Anderson, and me, award-winning journalist and media personality, Char Jossel. All of it is based on my book, We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film, now listen, folks, we're having a very different kind of conversation. It's giving kitchen table talk. Mm-hmm. We get into the discourse, honey. Tune in to We See Each Other, the podcast at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get Slayworthy Audio. This is a weird sort of sliding doors question, which I cannot believe that movie has had that big of an influence on just colloquialisms. But um, big sliding doors moment, but of of like what if you had successfully put together a theater, like you had sort of gotten the theater thing happening in high school. Do you feel like that would have changed anything? Or like, I, I guess I wonder too, here's where I'm coming from on this, is because you're a writer in addition to all of these other things. And I think in my mind, I thought to myself, I wonder if like you became more confident as a woman writer doing kind of being forced in a sense to do more of that in high school and like less focus on theater and, and performing and building sets and all that kind of stuff. I don't know, because I feel yeah. because I'm because 
as you well know, we still are in an environment where it's less likely for a woman to be a writer in mm -hmm. in Hollywood and television and really in any arts capacity uh, than it is for a man to be. So I, I'm I'm always interested in like the origin story of women I really respect who are into writing because it you know if you start early that's great and if it's if you find it kind of find your voice later because you get the confidence to do it later you know what I mean that's not even yeah. a question that's just me like no 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 no. <laughs> no but I get it it's it's interesting because I was very obviously I was super into films and it was the sort of uh independent wave in the 90s where it was like all those really you know indie film kind of flourished you know sort of sort of a recalling like the 60s and 70s when that happened. The world met Katherine Keener for the first time. Exactly. Uh, fantastic times to be into movies um, and kind of wrapped my identity a bit in that. But I loved theater and I uh, there's also a really wonderful Shakespeare Festival in Montgomery oh, nice. um, that uh, a lot of amazing people have come through it. Uh, and so I would go to plays and I ended up working there for a little while. Um, and so I'd always kind of focused on um, performance, like, oh, that's how you do these things is like you're a performer. And when I was younger, I liked performing. Uh, and then with the movie stuff, I was like, oh, directors, because the independent film was very director driven. Right. Yes. They were writer directors, uh, but mostly directors. So um, but I was always writing. I was writing short stories. I did the journalism um, and I was like, oh, I want to write books, you know, but it was always sort of at the back of my mind. And then when I went to college, that was really where I kind of was like, oh, writing, that's the thing I want to do. Um, and basically I did a ton of theater. Uh, I did perform, but I am not a performer because I'm very self-conscious uh, and you mm. can't really do that. <laughs> if you're performing, <laughs> you have to kind of uh, let go. And so I ended up doing a lot of technical theater actually. And um, you know, uh, stage managing and all that kind of less creative stuff. And then I ended up acting and directing in a show right after I graduated. But there was a single screenwriting course uh, that my college offered, like mm. one. And I took it. And um, I remember my teacher, she was great. She had had one episode of Fame produced. And that was her, that was uh, kind of her calling card. Oh, uh, and yeah, it was great. And I did great in that class. Like it was sort of like, I kind of really found uh, what I was good at. Like, it was like, I kind of really took to character work and dialogue and all that. And that was when I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could be a writer. And then I was like, oh crap, how do I actually do that? And then I was <laughs> trying to figure out like, how do I get there and, and all that. But I think it really cemented in college in the sense of like, I had always written but that was when it was like, this is this is the path of writing mm. that, that you're going to take. Because you had been a film aficionado before that <laughs> uh, and been interested in writing and directing and stuff like that, were there, did you find yourself doing the thing that I think many of us do, which is as you're finding your own voice, kind of like, can you look back and be like, ah, yes, like... That was when I had just seen The Player for the first time. Oh. And you know what I mean? And I was sort of going right. for the Robert Altman, like I would write a script and there would be like dialogue going on in the background that, you know, wasn't didn't seem important or whatever. Like, was yes. there anything like that for you? Yeah. I mean, I think because I had really come of age with this like steady diet of uh, independent film, I was very much into the sort of like 
very small, very kind of like just people talking about things, kind of wordy, you know, um, a little bit banter, you know, because like I was a big Quentin Tarantino fan at the time and his scripts are just like just that very smart, very poppy yes. dialogue. Yeah. Um, super specific. So I think I... But still big. Uh, I mean, still a lot of big. things happen in his. So yeah, know. but very like kind of focused. And so I think I... I think that's probably why I was way more character and I'm still very character driven. It was like, I was just thinking about the people and what they were saying and sort of the other stuff felt more incidental to me, like mm -hmm. the plotty stuff. Uh, so all of my early scripts are very like just people hanging out and doing things and uh, <laughs> not a lot of affordable forward momentum. or affordable yes to yes. shoot for sure. Yeah. Don't need to be going crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so very navel gazy in a way that I think there's something really specific about independent film of the 90s and having gone through it. And when you look back, you're like, oh, yeah, this is like, oh, this is me and my friends. We did this. So now I'm going to write a yeah. movie about it. You know? Yeah, there was sort of a I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like I'm trying to think of better examples as to what I mean. I, I not especially since like Ben Stiller was not the star of every independent movie and Reality Bites was uh, pretty early and also was does not really fit the just fit the description. But what you're talking about to me, and again, this is also less Quentin Tarantino, but I feel like there was a lot of like people having midlife crises, but they were yeah. 20. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? There was a lot yeah. of like, I'm I'm yeah. already there. I'm already having my midlife crisis. I need to talk about all of this and what it all means. And which I love. I mean, yeah. I was also super into that. Yeah, 100%. It was like Gas Food Lodging and Ruby yeah. and Paradise. Like those are all those movies where it's just like, I'm just finding out who I am. And I've really seen so much in my life so far. And, you know, everything was like, really traumatic childhoods with like very uh, tumultuous relationships with their parents. So yeah, total. it's funny that you say that because you're absolutely right. So I think, yes, I was very in a place where I was like, the thing that was important to me was that I wanted people to think that I was like deep or profound that like I thought about stuff that really mattered. Um, and I think a lot of those movies were really chasing that as well you know? yeah a really a, a very specific version of that is like with Stillman movies and I'm wondering if you came across those as a younger person or like if you if it if it was later on or if you've ever seen a with Stillman movie but that's no to me that was like he he did um uh like well Barcelona was one of them um why am I forgetting the main first one Metropolitan oh, okay. um, yeah, 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 yeah and then like uh Last Days of Disco but mm -hmm. but uh, he did, you know, he created this world of Metropolitan that was like a bunch of like Upper East and West Siders. I apologize to all of you New Yorkers who come from <laughs> rich families and went to private schools. I've had a few of you on the podcast. I don't know which one is which, but, you know, this sort of world of like adult children who yeah. are like constantly surrounded by grown up stuff and sort of you know, are wearing fur coats and like mm -hmm. drinking wine when they're 13 and lamenting the state of the world and stuff in this very privileged way. And that was really an example of like a walking and talking movie, walking and talking, by the way, being a great movie, uh, but like a walking, <laughs> talking movie where it still felt like I was looking at creatures behind glass. Like, what yeah, this, who are you? I guess that's a little true of Wes Anderson stuff, but that's also yeah. kind of theatrical and you know, artsy and, and tableau-y that it sort of pulls, yeah. it, it gives you, it's more fanciful than some of the like straight up, like, yeah, here we all are. 
bunch of, <laughs> bunch of rich white kids feel a lot of angst. Yeah, yeah. I think that I tended to be really drawn to, because I was growing up in kind of a suburban, leaning into rural kind of area. And so I tended to really gravitate towards those kind of worlds. The more Ruby like, and Paradise kind of is a great class. example, right? Yeah, yeah, like the working class kind of, you know, which are all about, so I feel like the rich kid movies are all about like, I feel trapped because I'm in this, you know, mm. it's, the, it's the golden cage, you know? Yeah. And then the, you know, the other side is I feel trapped because I, I just literally, you know, I'm pulled down by my family's always been here. We don't have the money, probably going to get pregnant within the year, you know, like things like sure. that. And so they're kind of exploring the same concept, but from very different angles. And I think I always just really felt that, uh, I always was like, I just want to fly and like feeling that pulled down. And so I definitely gravitated towards those stories of like, there's more out there for me. Yes. This, you know, same, 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 same. I mean, again, like I grew up in Tucson, Arizona for my (laughs) my parents were teachers. So like, I definitely, like I said, it's like like, watching that as a creature behind glass. Like I didn't been to New York city until I was in my mid twenties and, you know, was like, Oh, how this would be a really, I feel like that was the first thought I had when I got there. I was like, whoa, imagine growing up in a culture like this. It's almost unimaginable because it's so wildly different from, you know, everything that I understood as a young person. But do you have siblings? No, I'm an only child. Uh, me too. I'm an only. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> I didn't move around like you did. And that's that's another, you know, I feel like uh, army brats and, and, and other, you know, armed services kids who were moved around that I have in my life or I've talked to on the podcast when, when they have a sibling, it's kind of a different shape. It takes a little bit of a different shape in that often they're like, but I had my sister always. And like, yeah. she, she was two years older. Sometimes we'd be going into the same school at the same time. So we, at least we had each other. And that's a big deal to, to be doing that kind of thing when you're, when you're flying solo, for sure. You got to, yes. I'm sure you were just very self-reliant, like, I am incredibly self-reliant, almost to a point of uh, it could be a problem at times. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think that also directly is related to being a writer. I mean, I have a, I had a very rich inner life um, because I was often playing on my own, you know, and making up yep. my own games by myself. Um, I read constantly. So, you know, I was always escaping into books. Um and having that kind of because I didn't have that other person um, and obviously I would make friends and then I would be social. But it was funny because I would reach a point where I was like, OK, I need to go home and kind of be by myself. Oh, yeah. Now. Uh, you know, and I think I'm the same. I, yeah, only children. I think I've I generally I think many of us are comfortable being by ourselves because, you know, we in our big developmental years, we, we did spend time like that, um, which is interesting. I have a friend who is one of identical triplets. Mm-hmm. And I and I had a conversation with her once and she literally could not wrap her brain around the concept of being alone. Like, cause mm-hmm. she and her sisters were just, they had, and they're still close, they live in the same city, all that stuff. And it, you could tell that it was like distressing to her, uh-huh. um, the idea of not having someone. And I get, sometimes people look at you like, oh, but you must've been so lonely. And I'm like, well, yeah. sometimes, but then you deal with that, you know? So yeah. it's sort of, it is an interesting thing. People have this real perspective on like what it must be to like grow up by yourself. And as you said earlier, it's like, I don't, this is the only world I've known. So like, I don't know what the the alternative is. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Well, too, I think like it can be easier to hermit up when you're uh, 
used to being by yourself too. And so sometimes it just becomes like, yeah, but I could just keep reading this book. And then all conflict, all potential conflict exists inside this thing that has a beginning, middle and end. There's nothing I have to worry about. I'm not going to make anybody mad at me. Nobody's going to hurt my feelings. You know, like I think there was stuff that I'm still maybe realizing now that, you know, I was so conflict averse because I just never had to deal. You know, I had certainly had conflict with my parents, but that's just different. And so when stuff would happen at school that was hard or in friendships that were hard, um, I was so tender to that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it was really easy to kind of pull back on that and like, you know, not be as emotionally available, I think, at times, even, even as like a very raw emotional person. I think there were times where it was like, yeah, but if I just if I just watch this movie by myself, like <laughs> yeah. risk free, everyone risk free, you know? Yeah. Did you yeah. experience any of that? Oh, for sure. Like it's definitely uh, when you know how to manage being alone, like it's, it's, I definitely would retreat to that. I am too very conflict averse. Um, and I think it's interesting because I hadn't thought about that, but like when you have a sibling, you're forced to resolve conflict all the time. And we only are forced to resolve conflict when it's with friends, which is a different relationship because your family, you're generally not going to reach a point where they're going to leave you because yeah. you have this fight with a friend. It's like, there's this whole extra layer of like danger. Um, so yeah, there's definitely that. Uh, I 100% retreat. And I think that's the thing about being, when I say it, like being self-sufficient to a point where it can be a problem is that, uh, I, you know, I'm not great about asking for help with things, you know, um, or relying on other people or like understanding that, like, I don't have to do every single thing in a task. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that that's the negative of it is you just get used to doing it by yourself that you fill that space and it's hard to then make room for other, you know, to be like, oh, no, other people can fill that space. But at yeah. the same time, you, you're you getting overwhelmed because you're caring so much, you know? Absolutely. Did you know when you were going to be moving? Like, did you have ample notice in the sense that you, like, you would know, you know, that, that your parents would be like, oh, okay, so anticipate that probably we'll be here for X amount of time. Like, was there any point yeah. in your high school years you weren't like, we could up and move? Yeah, no, it was always, um. so the way it would work is you get, your assignment has a term. So it's like, you're going to be here for, six months, you're gonna be here for two years, you're gonna be here for three years. So we would know going in how long we were going to be in that place. Um, and if that changed, you would get, you know, several months notice. So uh, it still doesn't it seem like, like much, but I gotcha. Yeah, it's funny. I, guess I mean, I'm not you, implying that, so you would like, that I'm like, you would get yeah. up one morning and they were already packing. <laughs> it was right, like you were no. fugitives. I mean, the thing that it did do is, uh, I don't really have a lot of stuff from my childhood. Like I don't have, I have one doll. I have like three books, um, you know, as since my husband who has, you know, like a garage full of stuff, you know, yeah. that his, his parents kept. Um, so that was actually, that was the stuff that was hard was the uh, anticipation of like, what am I going to be allowed to keep? Because the military has a weight limit when they move you. So oh, sure. yeah. So <laughs> like I got like really into collecting feathers. I know, right? So it was like, I literally had this moment where it was like, I'm looking at my stuffed animals and my mom being like, you get to pick one. Oh. And it's like, what? And books, because I love yeah. books. It I was know like, books. What are Why did you have to like something so heavy? I know, I know, <sighs> I know right? Um, but yeah, so I think that was, it was actually not believing the places. It was having to divest of 
the stuff and like what had become important to me. And then, you know, there were certain friends because people would be moving all the time. So, you know, your friends might leave, you know, a year before you do. uh, And then trying to like pre Facebook and stuff, trying to stay in touch with people um, was really challenging. Um, So it was never a surprise that we were moving, but there was, there was an element of like, uh, disconnection and, you know, preparing to move, I guess, or yeah. sometimes relief. Like I'm getting out of this place. I don't like this place. I can reinvent myself, which never yeah. worked. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> it never did. Every time I was yeah. going to reinvent myself, I never did. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's an era where sometimes you're, we're, we're trying that on even when we're just stuck in the same place and everyone's like, I knew you last year, you didn't dress like that. So yeah. it's, it can work and it cannot work. Yeah, you're right. No matter which way you're going. Okay, I, I w- could talk to you forever. I will not keep you forever. <laughs> um, I want to get into this MASH game. But I, the last question I wanted to ask about all of this uh, was like whether you were dating uh, when you were in high school. That was <laughs> a thing for you. <laughs> um. I feel like I recognize that scoff laugh. Um, I dated my senior year. I really didn't date in high school. I was very awkward and shy and uh, did not understand when people liked me. Um, And so like, I remember my friend asking me to go see a movie and I was like, oh yeah, totally. And so we went to the movie and I like paid for my ticket and then we went out to eat and I like helped pay. And he looked so like, you could tell that he was really fresh <laughs> and only as an adult. So I look back and I'm like, oh, it was a date. <laughs> it was a date and I completely messed that up. And he was so nice. I would have 100% dated him. No, I dated in my senior year. Um, just if I did date, I dated one of the exchange students very briefly. Amazing. We broke up in a McDonald's. Um, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, no, my dating life did not really take off until college. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Uh, just a quick note. If you decide to write an autobiography, I want you to consider one doll being the title. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it's pretty good, isn't it? That came from you. That's from you. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Diablo 4. Final Fantasy 16. Street Fighter 6. Baldur's Gate 3. Starfield. Spider-Man 2. Master Detective Archives Raincoat for Nintendo Switch. No, is that just me? (laughs) (laughs) It's a huge time for video games. You need somebody to tell you what's good, what's not so good, and what's amazing. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. We're the hosts of Triple Click a video game podcast for anyone who likes games. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. So I will get you, give you some uh, romance coming up in this MASH game, uh, but I'm not going to subject you to that, those choices. It feels uh, too early for me to just throw that right at you. So I'm going to start with uh, a bit more of a softball. We'll see what you think, uh, but three places in the world that you would like to have another home if we could sort of teleport you there so you don't have to worry about the travel. Probably I would like to have another home in like English countryside somewhere would be really nice. Where else? Oh, um, like beachy, (laughs) 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 some sort of like, you know, equatorial, like beach area. Um, I, all the names of the places have completely left Uh my brain. Um, 
what else oh um I guess maybe like New Zealand but like way out in the middle of nowhere with some sort of water feature you know great. close by <laughs> great 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 and agreed okay uh next one let's do three foods that in this reality maybe you don't eat because you're allergic or you feel like it's ecologically irresponsible or something like that or just like if you eat too much of it it'll make you sick uh in this alternate reality everything uh, is healthy there is no like no one's being harmed um and you can have just give me three things you would love to be able to have at the snap of your fingers it's not the only thing you're eating but it can be like oh this beautiful scone i had in yeah. london i've never been able to get one that tasted as good anywhere well now you can snap your fingers and have that whenever you want Ooh, uh, three yeah okay yes uh there's this sandwich at this place in gosh where was it oh it was like in germany i think i had a sandwich that was like one of the best sandwiches i've ever had great german sandwich love it oh what else oh is this gonna is this too sad my like my grandmother's whoopie pies no, <laughs> like, something no. like that put your grandmother's whoopie pie on here so, absolutely yeah. um and uh, oh, yeah, I had these crepes in France that were amazing. Great, 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 great. Okay, next one, let's do uh, three alternate universe careers that you can try on. I'm not committing you to them forever, but it's some. It's like, oh, I want to get a flavor of that. Marine biologist, amazing. obviously. Obvi. <laughs> As a girl my age. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, that's too close to what I actually do, so I guess I can't do that one. I mean, um, it's up to you. Like novelist, I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely. again, um, and then like theater director, like just Great. in the theater world. Great. Uh, let's do three skills that uh, we're going to imbue you with in this alternate universe uh, that you would normally maybe have to take a lifetime to get as good at, but we're sort of implanting it matrix style <laughs> and you're amazing. Violin uh, can play it perfectly. Great. Oh, uh, negotiating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I know, right? No, negotiating and um, like, you know, the barter system. I don't know. I'm terrible at that. Yeah. Um, and oh, uh, sewing. Beautiful. Okay. All right. Let's get into some romance. Three people. I'm not committing uh, you to them for a lifetime either. This is romance or sexy times, as long or short as you want. <laughs> Characters from film, cartoons, comics, video games. Real life, any age, any era, don't care. Three people that you can have some uh, romance with in this alternate universe. Gene Kelly. Right. Who else? I'm trying to think of a character that I'm like desperately in love with. Oh, Boromir. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Boromir girl. Um, and oh, gosh. I don't want to do a real person who's alive. Have to. It's weird, weird and uncomfortable. Um, gosh. Uh, oh, um, William Holden, Circa Sunset Boulevard. Oh, sure. Great. Great, great, great. Okay. Coming down towards the last couple of categories here. Next one, let's do a person from fiction that you can hang out with in this reality. So you sort of pull them out of something that isn't real, but you get to hang out with them here. Um, Eleanor Dashwood of Sense and Sensibility. Yeah. Come on. hundred percent. My pragmatic queen. Oh, God. But still, so many feelings. Don't worry, I know. everyone. Still I know. so many feelings. So many. Oh. Great. Okay, two more. Uh, was it Steed Bonnet from Our Flag Means Death? Great. 
I would just love to hang. He would be fun, right? Amazing, yes. For <laughs> to sure. hang out with. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. Absolutely. What a fun character. God, that's a great character. Yes. Okay, yes. Uh, second to last category. Let's do three movies you can jump into. You're not reliving the plot. You're just in that world however you want to experience it whenever you feel like it. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I would, you know, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy right. for sure. Right. Um, probably something like Pride and Prejudice, you know, very yeah, great. whatever. Um, and then You're, you've somehow managed because I think of the Pride and Prejudice that was the miniseries, as many of us do, more so than like the Kira Knightley movie or any other iteration. I feel like you've already grow you're like the Lord of the Rings series, which I'm allowing. But that is yes. a series of movies. This is yes. good because you're we'll do fellowship. I, we'll do fellowship. Well, I mean, listen, now I feel like I was calling you out on something, but I was <laughs> I, I was like, you're you're really getting around this well because you're giving yourself more robust <laughs> worlds to, to know, live right? even within this one thing. Yeah. Pride so and Pride Prejudice, and Prejudice specifically. Um, right. But the Kira Knightley version, I know I'm going I'm going oh, a little. Right. A little I watched weirder. it again recently. Uh, I, it was a plain watch and I was like, mm, this is really good. I think when I saw it the first time, I had just recently watched the Colin Firth one, and I was like, I don't know. I just, you know. <laughs> it's efficient in a way that I really admire as a writer. Yeah. Like, it's just really efficient. Yeah. Um, gosh, what's a third one that I can't remember any of my favorite movies? Oh, well, I already mentioned him, but I'll, I'll uh, sing it in the rain. Talk about a movie that when I finally got around to seeing it, which because I didn't see it when I was a kid, I was like, oh, my God, this is ahead of its time. It felt oh, yeah. so modern. I was blown away. I was like, wait, they were doing like satire stuff. When No, I feel like no one knows that unless you know that movie. You have no idea what you whatever you think Singing in the Rain is based on like the clip you've seen of Singing in the Rain. You have no idea. It's great. Yeah. Everyone should see it. Okay. Uh, final category. Let's do three books that uh, you actually get to take the credit for. Like, yeah, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't know. I mean, listen, this is not, this is an alternate universe where you wrote them. You're not taking it away from anyone per se, but you're like, yeah, I, I penned those. I wrote that book. Um, hmm, let's see. Uh, the Stand. Great. And it can be a kid's book. Just keep that in it mind. It can be a kid's book. Oh, ooh. You know, okay. any book. Well, that's even better. Oh, um, yeah. How about The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Great. I'll just pick one. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, and then finally, oh, how about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Ah, oh, great. Great, great, great. Okay. All right. Uh, give me a word that helps describe uh how you felt in your kind of happiest moments in london recently oh um peaceful great okay that is a word i'm going to use to uh conjure your 100 guaranteed future uh, of mash <laughs> and yes. while i do that um would you like to tell folks like where to find you or any projects you're working on or have worked on that you would like people to check out this is a great time to plug and or vamp uh but there's also something called editing in which i can it will seem as just cut to it. past exactly <laughs> um sure <laughs> sure yeah okay yeah um i'm currently working on rings of power for amazon prime which uh season one is streaming um and season two i believe is going to come out next year and you should check it out because it is fun um and then online i'm on twitter uh just jen two n's hutchison 
And then I also am on Instagram, which is just Jennifer.Hutchison. And we're talking with a G, everybody. Everyone should oh, be yeah, yeah. reminded Jennifer that it's... G. I love that you said two N's, but also it's Not important the G. that they know. The... <laughs> yes, yes, Jen, G. The biggest, the biggest dark horse of the moment uh, got overlooked, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, it's Jennifer with a G. I also almost corrected that it's Hutchison, not Hutchinson, which is the other thing. That uh-huh. people oh, sure, I, yeah. sure. But they yes, want to put that N in there. I Why do they, they do. want to put the N in there? Because I know Hutchison, I guess I know Hutchison, so it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. I think because people get overconfident because they get the G right on Jennifer and they're like, <laughs> I don't have to think about the rest of it. <laughs> but yes, that's How actually on the backy. <laughs> I think we're good. We're good. Yeah, we're don't good. correct we me. It. I think we're good. <laughs> we got it. Um, yes. Uh, yes. Wonderful. Okay. Listen, I feel great about this. I feel very confident that you will as well. Uh, first of all, I want to, oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Okay. So, um, <laughs> First of all, I want to congratulate you on your beautiful mansion in the English countryside. Ah, yes. Don't mind if I do. Fantastic. Um, I guess, you know, Steed Bonnet is going to be just super comfortable hanging out there. I'm sure he would have been fine anywhere, certainly uh, either of your other choices. But Steed's going to have no problem hanging out uh, in the English countryside with you. if for some reason you need to get rid of him or anyone else, I want you to know that you're very good at negotiating. So <laughs> you can good. You can access uh, things as you need uh, in a very magnanimous yet very self-preserving way. Uh, so congratulations on that. Um, certainly, I want to tell you how much I personally enjoy the stand. Fantastic. <laughs> Makes sense because, in fact, you are a novelist. So The Stand is only one of several to many books that you have penned. We assume that you have a beautiful room in the mansion in the English countryside that you use along with wherever you like to write at your other place. Uh, You can jump into Singing in the Rain whenever you want to. But I don't want you to feel like that time with Gene Kelly is limited. (laughs) <laughs> because, in fact, you have a beautiful romance that extends outside of the film into real life, real life with Gene Kelly, just sitting back, enjoying some lovely French crepes whenever you want them, <laughs> wherever you want them. That is your MASH alternate universe world of existence. I hope that you are happy about it. That's pretty amazing. It sounds very peaceful. It sounds very peaceful. It sounds very peaceful. Oh, it sounds this is wonderful. The only thing I regret is like I feel like we could have used an Eleanor or Pride and Prejudice because yes. you already got Gene and Dorsing in the Rain. But listen, this is uh this is MASH. It's 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 science. <laughs> so there's really there's no getting around it. Sure. You're gonna be great. Uh thank you so much for doing the podcast. This has been so much fun. I'm glad we thank got you to do for it. having me. I still am I'm I think Paul is maybe and or Storm are maybe going to be in L.A. soon. I was like, oh, I shouldn't try to plan something with with Joko Cruisers in L.A. If like they're going to be there and we're like, you just missed a get together we had (laughs) surrounding the thing you create. But I still want to do it. So hopefully uh, that will happen sooner than later. And everybody else, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I'll talk to you next time. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, you're number one.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.